I'm Autumn Lockett. And this is Mitch Randall. And you're listening to Good Faith Weekly. Thank you for joining us at Good Faith Weekly this week. Mitch is out doing some work on the border with our partners at Fellowship Southwest. So I am so happy to have with me Elisa Aldape and Starlet Thomas. And we are going to dive right in. Let's get back in the water. I'm Reverend Starlet Thomas, and I'm inviting you to join me in the water. Well, it's a virtual gathering, too. The Raceless Gospel Initiative at Good Faith Media will host its first webinar, Introducing the Raceless Gospel, on February 24th at 12 p.m. Central and 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll go down in the water of baptism, where we are invited to examine ourselves as members of Christ's body and to question why these color-coded labels stick to our skin. The webinar will be a safe space for you and for me, for all working to reconcile the North American church's history with race. It is also for those ready to embody a countercultural narrative that challenges the continued segregation of sacred space. I look forward to seeing you and to diving into this much-needed work. May our time together have rippling effects. The event is free. Please register at goodfaithmedia.org. Well, thank you both so much for joining me since we are Mitchless this week. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Mitchless. Mitchless. We're Mitchless, actually. Yeah, we're just, and we are on the road. We're recovering from being on the road. I think we have all three sort of talked before we hopped on air about the fatigue. Um, <laughs> and the fatigue is real. And so just kind of checking in, you know, you both do important work, hard work for Good Faith Media. And we are so sincerely appreciative, but we are here to hold space and acknowledge that it is not always easy. Mm. Yeah. I think the pandemic has taught me to, that is important to not be all over the place. Mm. That is most important to be fully present with yourself and that the most important person is yourself. I think the pandemic cured me of people pleasing. I've been trying to be delivered of that demon my whole life. Uh, but I think I tweeted earlier in the week, uh, when someone shows you who they are during the pandemic, believe them the first year. Yeah. Uh, show that they don't care, that they're yeah. not considerate, that they're not interested in your well-being. Believe them the first time. Don't give them a second year, and certainly not the third year as we enter that. So it just taught me to be more gentle with myself. And it's very uncomfortable for me because I'm used to just sucking it up like a lot of people. I'm just sucking up, just go with it. I'll just give, give people what they want and you can rest later. Uh, but what, you know, what the pandemic has taught us is just, you know, to listen to yourself and to take time for yourself and to take care of yourself in all the ways that that is needed. Um, even if it's countercultural, and then some people might think it's counterproductive, uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm leaning heavily into Sabbath rest, you know, and breathtaking and long walks. I think, I think the pandemic has done us a good service in that way. So yeah, I'm glad we had that conversation early on. That was helpful to me. I, I completely agree. And I, I worked with a therapist a couple of years ago who said, I was telling her about all of the, the self-care kind of, you know, self-therapy kind of things that I do. I love to get in the kitchen. I love to move my body. I love to read a book. And she said, that's great. But when you introduce new stressors, I'm looking at you, pandemic. I'm looking at you like 
total social justice explosion. Um, those same things that you have been doing are just what you were doing in your normal life. You've got new stressors. You've got to have a new action plan. And that's hard. It's hard to admit what feels like defeat sometimes. That's right. That's right. And when you always want to, you know, make people happy. Yeah. That has been a difficult thing for me when you want to keep the people smiling. And I realize you don't have to perform for anybody. Mm-hmm. The pandemic taught me that the show is over. Yeah. Like, it's okay to just let it go, let it fall apart, and to just to ease into whatever you need to ease into. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be kind, and I and I give that same respect and thoughtfulness to persons who are working, who are serving, wherever they might find themselves. Like, take it easy. Take it easy on people. And please don't take out your stress on other people. Like right. you mentioned, find some ways to work that out before you show up in front of people. You know, you might require a cup of Starbucks. <laughs> As Starlet sips, um, this podcast is not sponsored <laughs> by Starbucks, but it could be Starbucks. We're right here. <laughs> Just shoot us an email. Um, there is a little bit of good news on the horizon. Um, the FDA is is going to be hearing, we think, very soon from Pfizer about a vaccine for six-month-olds to five-year-olds. And as the mom of a four-year-old, I am hanging over the edge of a cliff just waiting. Um, you know, we've been so careful for two and a half years, and knock on wood, she hasn't gotten COVID. Um, but gosh, I will just sleep so much easier when we can we can vaccinate these babies. I think, um, again, to your point, it is so important for us to highlight all these stresses and strains and to name those things because that's an additional stress for parents. Yeah. Concerned about your child catching a deadly virus. There's a virus outside roaming to and fro, seeking whom it might devour. It's funny. I grew up in the old church, you know, they talked about the end of the world and all that. It's like, are you watching what is happening? Yeah. Um, so anything that will ease that stress or that strain is we're begging, you know, banging on pots and pans and pulling our hair out, sit down. <laughs> anything yes. to calm that I think is necessary um, and to put yes. the parents at ease. Uh, we yes. could talk a bit about how much pressure the pandemic has put on parents, um, compounding things up under one house, you know, all up under one roof. Um, yeah. Not to mention all that the pandemic requires into, for the adults themselves, but what the stress it puts on children. Yes. Um, I wonder when we're going to ever have time to deal with that. I think we're going to be recovering from that trauma for a very long time. And I think there are, there were a lot of gauntlets laid down in 2016 within families, um, both inside under the same roof. And then also, you know, bigger than that. And then, and then you layer in what should be a a pretty non-polarizing public health stance that has become weaponized. Um, I wrote about that, that I will never forgive my neighbors uh, for not putting on a mask. My, the, my Christian friends, I, I will never get over the fact that in the midst of a pandemic, we refuse to love our neighbor by putting on a mask. You know how mind blowing that is to me? A mask, and yeah. it, it could save a life. Just put the mask, and they wouldn't do it. Yeah. I think about all the things that children are missing because we won't put on a mask. Yes. You know, making, yes. You know, making first friends, first kisses. You know, playing in the park, running around for sleepovers, this milestone thing, social markers of development, and they just won't, they just won't get an opportunity to do because we're so selfish. Like, what are we teaching children? Mm-hmm. It's all about me, 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 me. We're gonna send these people out into the world as victims of our selfishness. All that they miss because we can't do the right thing by other people. Mm-hmm. This is what America has taught us. 
mm-hmm. hyper individualism. Yes, there's so much pulling up by your bootstraps. You don't realize that your heel of your boot is on somebody's face. Ooh, yeah, they'll pull up a bootstrap but not put on a mask. Blows my mind completely. That's very well said, though. Very well, well and it and it it's not just that like I'm not going to wear a mask, but it's like I'm also going to like use my giant mouth to shame people who do wear masks, and I'm gonna I'm going to take these stories, and I just it's. And you just can't reason, you know? And so here we are trying to keep everyone safe, trying to keep life rolling and moving. And and it just feels like an, an uphill, a continuous uphill battle. Um, you know what it taught me? How dependent I am on other people. Yeah. Like if we don't get this together, if we don't come alongside, if we don't find somewhere to agree, we're going to perish. Like, I, I didn't realize how much, I mean, I knew we were connected. I talk about Kendom um, and everyone being my sibling, but this pandemic taught me like, no, no, no. We have really got to listen to each other. We have really got to come alongside. We have really got to find some some agreement because this is not gonna work without each other. No. calling. Whether you're left or right or in the middle, I really don't care. Let's just gather around this one thing and let's just do this one thing for each other. And we just can't do it. Yeah. We just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of something else we can't do, um, Elisa had to drop off. I think she is uh, taking care of a little person and that little person needed her. And so we're going to just, we're going to give her that time and space to go take care of what she needs to take care of because that's what, that's what mamas do. And that's what friends do. Um Wanted to talk a little bit about uh, President Biden and this whole Supreme Court justice situation. Mitch and I touched on it a little bit last week and sort of the history of that and the and the more legal perspective behind it. But I think you know there's a there's a cultural there's a cultural element to this as well. And um, you know Ruth Bader Ginsburg famously said that you know there would be enough uh, women on the Supreme Court when there were when there were nine. And we're not there yet, but I am encouraged by the fact that it does seem like we're going to be um, selecting some folks that will make the Supreme Court look a little more like our country as a whole. So what are your thoughts on that, Starlet? Um, So I tried to to stay away from the news, but it it won't stay away from me. I I think it's most, it's most, it's just sad. It's incredibly sad. Like we know what the right thing to do is and we just won't do it. And we'll make every argument to not do it. Um, No, the Supreme Court does not reflect America. Most of our institutions do not, but we just don't want to do right. Um, We'll find, it doesn't matter how qualified the person might be. Uh, Now they're talking about uh, race, of course, a socio-political construct of race and expressing arguments that it's affirmative action. If you if you put her on. So now that now that's already been put in place. Alyssa had mentioned earlier that was there was some conversation about temperament, uh, which definitely is, 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 is leaning into a stereotype about uh, African-American women uh, that persons tend to attach to us no matter how successful, no matter how articulate, air quotes, it does not matter. Uh, she just cannot get around that. Uh, and so it always raises these, these issues and these conversations because we never finish these conversations on race. We just jump to the next thing. They're always left unfinished. There's always something left undone. And race is never resolved, no matter what we're talking about uh, when it comes to the United States. So I think it's just something, it's just yet again, another reminder that we need to keep talking, that the conversation is not over and that so much is left unsaid. Um, And then we also have this work to do around stereotypes uh, because every woman, every person should be able to show up in a space 
uh, without adjectives attached to them that they didn't bring into the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I will also say this about temperament, um, I because I agree with you. It is about you know the 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 I'm air quoting the black woman, but but it's also about women. You know, yeah. that, oh, yeah. you know, they just you just don't know, like, when are they going to go off? When are they going to, they're very unpredictable. And and I will just say that we've seen some very unpredictable behavior out of men. Speak a word. Um, in an office, yeah. men in power, you know, you take a person who looks one way and then you put them in power and they completely, you know, lose their minds. We are, and I'll zoom in really quick because in our city of Norman, where we live, we have a politician, a little local politician who fancies himself um as being in power because he's a city councilman now starlet i know that makes you think that he is very very fancy and famous because he's a city councilman um rather than the mindset that should be i'm here to serve right i mean this is a service position i'm representing the people in my ward of town and um just watching what power has done to a personality that already had some issues has been terrifying. Um, we had a, an alleged assault this week of a 66-year-old woman. And I'm just watching this. You know, I went to the, the press conference because I'm the 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 alleged victim, her mom, her daughter is a friend of mine. Our boys are the same age. We do sports together, we're friends. So I went and there's, you know, this tiny woman, she weighs like 104 pounds. She's like 5'1". She's like holding tightly to my arm while they're reading her letter to the mayor. And the DA is like, maybe not going to press charges because it's a good old boys club. And you just look around, you're like, what year is this? Like, what is happening? So talk to me about temperament. You know, when time and time again, you give little people power and they become, you know, just egregious. Absolutely. Um, I think that the narrative around women, uh, we can go back to the judge for a minute, you know, women as, as nag, women as nuisance, women as bothersome or troublesome, women as bitter if she tells the truth, uh, women as uh, crybaby, hyper-emotional, uh, women as crazy, lunatic. And when she remembers, crazy. right? When you I, remember, I, dude, oh, you're, just hold, you're holding a grudge. Like, no, I just have a brain. So I think it's important for those in power to construct that narrative, to keep that voice quiet. You know, it's it's just to frame it and then to shame it, to get it out of the way. Same with victims of sexual assault, sexual violence. Uh, It is always the victim's fault. There's always victim blaming. It is always she is in the wrong place at the wrong time. She was too old to be there. She should have been dressed this way. She should have said yes. Uh, Instead of saying no, she should have accepted his advances. It is always, the onus is always on the victim and the victim is almost always a woman. Uh, and they often don't make it out of it. So no matter what the woman says, no matter how she says it, she can police her tone. You can police her dress. The police are not going to come to her aid. They're just not. It just when when push comes to shove, those those charges they they never stick. They often they often do not stick. And then they wonder why women just quit. They don't come forward. They don't tell their story. And then when they do, they say, "Well, why'd you wait so long?" Yeah, she cannot win. This is why you need someone on the bench. This is why you need a woman on the bench because she cannot win. You need someone who knows what it feels like to be a woman. And no man, despite all the laws they're trying to pass, bless their hearts, can tell you how it feels to be a woman. You can pass all the laws you want about my body and where it belongs and what I should do with it, but it's still not your body. I think we also need to talk about, as we talked about power, we need to talk about who owns bodies. 
I think America has a huge problem and it's never gotten away from slavery because it always feels like they have to control and, and move and order bodies in the way that they would want them to. That's slavery. That's yeah. bondage. I don't belong to anyone and neither does any woman. She should be able to walk the streets as she sees fit without fear of being accosted or assaulted and worse still murdered and still it happens. And then when we say we want justice and we want justice to look like me or you, oh, then it's a problem. Oh, then we got to go through a process. This is why we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. It's the game of the oppressor. This is why it's intentional. It is to wear us out. If you say it long enough, you say it strong enough, after a while, we'll wear you down and you'll get tired of saying it. And then oh, we don't have to do anything. It's a sad commentary. It is. And I think that's why, even though it's hard, and even though we're tired, and even though it feels like we're isolated so often, yeah. I think that there's still important work here to be done. And I think sometimes the reason that it is so hard is because it's hard. That's right. And, That's it's, right. Wor- and it's worth it. And I think what you said is completely appropriate and, and correct that we do have to mark out those boundaries for ourselves. We do have to rest. We do have to, to heal up, to lick our wounds and to realize the why behind what we're doing. Um, but then also realize that we, there is more to tell, you know, that's our mission. That's what we're doing. And when we get, and when we get tired, there are other voices that can join up and take over, um, you know, Moses, Aaron, let's look back. There are times when people people hand over that torch, you know, they, they pass, they pass that torch to somebody else. And sometimes they take it back and, um, just, you know, wanted to say that your, you know, your sermon was incredible this week. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the sermon. sermon. Uh, how did you, how did we Baptist, <laughs> Little Rock, um, it was spirit inspired, we're told. And, uh, and I think if you listen to it, you would agree. Um, but you know, your voice is important. We have a, a webinar that we have a, a commercial for on this podcast episode that people can, can join and listen. And, you know, I think for the past five to six years, I've, I'm, I'm kind of mouthy and I've had people say, well, okay, talk, then talk to me about race. Like, what do you do? Like, what do I do with this? I don't know how to ask these questions. I don't know what I should be wondering, what I should be talking about. I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing. Guess what? You're going to say the wrong thing. I say the wrong thing. We all say the wrong thing, but the important thing is to, to know more so you can do better. And if you are truly looking for an opportunity to know more and to do better, um, our webinar that we have coming up is for you and it's free. And we welcome you to come alongside us and do this important work because we're tired and we need you. Oh, I'm smiling real hard on the other side. Of the <laughs> we can hear it. <laughs> My jaw is hurt right now. No, it, it's it's very important what you said. Just know that it is safe space. Yes. Uh, that it's not a place for attack. We're not here for gotcha questions. You know, gotcha questions or gotcha answers. Ah, I knew you were going to say that. Ah, we're not doing that. Uh, it's def- It's just a conversation about what it means to live as a racialized human being, to be colored in, and then what our baptismal identity um, has to do with that. So yeah, bring your questions, bring your stories, bring the answers you've been given, and then let's talk about it. But it's not about, uh, it's not about catching you up or, or, or hyping you up uh, to do something uh, that's not meaningful. You know, we don't want to contribute to the arguments. We want to contribute to the solutions. Yes. Uh, we, want to build, we want to build relationship. That's what this conversation, and it is a conversation. 
um, and it's free. It costs you nothing. Yeah. So show up how you can, when you can, where you can, and I'll be there to have that conversation with you. But just know that it'll, it'll be all be done in love um, yeah. and around the truth that we all belong to each other. Yes. And I think something that I love about our work, and we're, we're wrapping it up, something that I love about Good Faith Media that has been a struggle for me with religious situations in the past is that sometimes it can feel very much like what you said, like trying to hype you up, trying to get you to feel it's about the emotion. It's about the moment. It's about the passion. I mean, look at all the passion stuff. I mean, it was literally named passion. And to me, as someone who has come out of trauma, as someone who has, you know, come through a lot, it feels like manipulation. Yeah. And so I appreciate that we are having these hard conversations that we're not going to stop having them when it gets tricky and when it gets kind of squirmy and your hands get sweaty, but it's also not about the hype of the emotion. It's about the substance of the, of the conversation and the topic at hand. That's right. We're not offering quick solutions. I'm, I'm asking people, inviting persons to live more deeply into themselves and to attempt just once in your life to be friends with somebody who's of a different culture than you, to just, to just have the conversation, to just extend your hand and to be a neighbor. And I'm asking Christians to do this. Um, and it shouldn't be that hard. No. But, and, and so often it is, and I'm, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm blaming the socio-political construct, that, that fence that has been built up for us. And I'm just asking us to tear it down or to climb over it. And we have to do that with our tongues. Yes. You know, we have to, we have to address the words that are in the room. Uh, and that big elephant that's always in the room. I'm here to eat elephant. I hope you all know that. So I want you all to come and have those conversations with me, knowing that I'm, I'm there to hold your hand uh, and to walk with you, not pull you along. We're going at our own pace. Uh, this is definitely <laughs> a race of sorts. And so just come and be with me. I would very much appreciate that. Yes, we love yeah. that. Well, thank you, thank you so much. That. Thank you so much for hopping on uh, to chat with us on our Good Faith Weekly podcast this week. And Elisa, we hope the little one who you're caring for is snuggly and happy. And to everyone out there listening, um, we will see you next week. We'll, uh, well, you will hear us next week. And until then, keep living good faith.